Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Today we're going to be talking to Dr. Jeff Knox, who's the president of the North Carolina Community College System, one of our crown jewels in the state of North Carolina, something that many, many states in the union are all envious of, our, our community college system. It means so much to our economy. And Dr. Cox, we are delighted to have you on. You're the 11th president of the North Carolina Community College System. And uh, we have uh, shared, uh, uh, I guess, time on this program with at least four or five of them through the years. We're delighted to add you to the list. Thank you so much, Don. I'm delighted to be here with you this afternoon. Let's let's talk just as an overview for people who are maybe not too familiar with how the community college system is governed and the extent of which it uh, offers its services. Uh, perhaps it would be best to just sort of start off and let you give us an overview of our 58 colleges across the state uh, that uh, serve the entire state. And uh, you can give us a little detail on how they're governed and how it differs from the university system. So take sure. off. Yeah, well, Don, uh, I think you started with the, the very most important point, and that's that we do, in fact, have 58 community colleges across the entire state. We're one of the largest, I think the third largest community college system in the country. And I would venture to say we've got the biggest footprint in terms of access of any state. Uh, our forefathers uh, who, who who developed this community college system about 60 years ago really got it right in thinking through uh, access for every citizen of North Carolina to higher education. Uh, they knew that for for all of our citizens, especially those in the more rural parts of our state, to have access uh, to a community college meant there needed to be a college located in their community. And that's how they set it up. So I think it, the the rule of thumb is there is a community college campus or at least a, a, a center or, or multi-campus location within a, about a 30-minute drive of any particular part of North Carolina. So that's close proximity, and that matters a lot in terms of access. So that's the first thing I would say. We, we serve about 500,000 students a year across the great 58 colleges that we have. So that's another uh, just key uh, element to our community college system, how comprehensive it is. In terms of governance, uh, we have our own state board. Uh, we have uh, uh, some of our board members are, are, are appointed by the governor. Others appointed by the House and the Senate. And then we have three uh, standing uh, committee members, uh, plus a fourth with our uh, our SGA president. So it's a 22 member uh, board. Uh, they hired the president of the system. Um, and then we've got a staff of two, two, 200 and some folks here at the system office. And we try to provide support um, and uh, re resources out to the 58 individual colleges. The individual colleges uh, all have their own boards of trustees, and uh, those those local trustees have the primary uh, authority over hiring their local presidents. Uh, though those uh, those candidates who are who are up for being uh, selected in that role at the local level are vetted by our state board uh, as a kind of final part of the approval process. 
but um but it's you know the, the there's a there's a a real uh, give and take with our 58 as far as uh the amount of flexibility and autonomy our colleges have at the local level is a lot more than a lot of other states have so some of the other states are much more uh, kind of uh centrally uh controlled and the and the system office has a lot more say so over hiring or firing local presidents and uh, a lot of things run more through the system we we are, are again our forefathers set it up so that each local college has more autonomy and uh, the thinking was i guess that the uh, that they have a better a better handle on their local communities and what their needs are and 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 giving them that local autonomy helps them really uh, be able to uh, meet the needs of each local community. So at the local colleges, Don, I'll just finish with this and Paul's. Uh, at the local colleges, the governance uh, c- currently has uh, again there's uh, s- some members of the board, uh, four appointed by the governor, four appointed by a local board of trustees, and four appointed by the local school board. And there are a few nuances to that in a few different counties across the state. But generally speaking, that's the way uh, that the trustees are appointed at the local level. And then again, they they hire the local president and the president you know, is kind of responsible for pulling the rest of the team together at the local colleges. So that's kind of broadly how, how the governance structure works. Again, a lot, a lot of local, local autonomy. But the state board does uh, have have a role to play, and you know, for us, we've just developed a new strategic plan, uh, trying to provide some guidance and direction to the overall system, and encouraging those fifty eight uh, individual local colleges to kind of uh, come alongside of us and uh, and move towards some of these uh, goals that we've set. Well, you came to the presidency of the community college system after serving as president of the community college, uh, the Wilkes Community College, and you were in that job for almost 10 years. So I guess that gave you a really good point of reference as uh, you enter the uh, uh, job of looking after the other 58 campuses as far as their needs. Uh, uh, Tell me a little bit about what you learned from your experience as president of Wilkes Community College System that's helped you so much as you move forward. That's a great question, Donna. So, yeah, I think it's critical for me, at least, uh, the, the the knowledge that I've gained at the local college level r- really uh, informs my leadership here at the system level. So I, I think it gives me a, a perspective to understand what the other presidents are going through and the issues they're dealing with out of the local level. Um, I'll give you just as an example at Wilkes, what, what we have been talking about for the last several years was uh, you know this issue of economic mobility and really looking at what was the college's role in impacting that economic mobility of the people who live there in our service area and what were some of the barriers that were preventing students from either enrolling at the college or from succeeding once they did enroll from staying in completing degrees and credentials and going out and finding jobs that could pay a living wage so what we found at the local level at Wilkes, Dom, was uh, of all the students who were coming to the college with the intention of finishing a two-year degree, um, only about 25% of them were actually finishing that degree within three years. 
So about 75% of the students just weren't uh, finding success in the way that we would hope that they would have. So that, you know, it's complicated. Our community college students uh, have a lot of different needs. M many of them are uh, traditional students coming right out of high school, but we have a, a, a strong population of adult learners. And some of them, many of them, most of our students, in fact, have part-time jobs. Many have family obligations. A lot of challenges to balance between going to school and trying just to, to uh, survive. So uh, that 25% graduation rate we had at Wilkes was about on par with the state average and with the national average for community colleges. But when we put that out to the community there in Wilkes and ask our faculty and staff if we're the key to economic prosperity for our students. They're coming to us to get a degree or credential that's gonna help them change their lives and li live a better life, make a, earn a better living. If only 25% are making it across the threshold, is that good enough? Is anybody, we had a big convening of all our faculty and staff, I can remember this like it was yesterday, and I asked that question to the whole group of about 300 of our faculty and staff and said, is anybody in here satisfied to think that 25% is how many students were getting across the, the finish line? And of course, nobody raised their hand. And, uh, and it, it was a catalytic moment for us to say, we've got to do better. We're, we're going to double down and figure out. And I challenged the faculty and staff that day to say, I want to double the graduation rate. What would it look like for our community if we had twice as many students graduate from uh, Wills Community College? And uh, and then they bought in. And so we got to work and started thinking about what all do we need to put in place uh, to make that happen? And the truth is, there wasn't one thing. It wasn't one silver bullet. If you just do this one thing, you know, everything will change. It was it was a dozen different things. So we, we started putting in place a, a better, more robust tutoring program. We uh, we put in place a new advising uh, program, both uh, for our college age students, but also career coaches in every high school in the service area. So that as high school students were taking their first college classes through our career and college promise program, they were doing it in a more intentional way with a plan about what they wanted for their career and what their educational pathway would need to look like to get them where they wanted to go once they came to college. So we put in place uh, wraparound services. What we found out in doing our research, Dom, was a lot of the students we were losing, we weren't losing because they couldn't handle the academic load. We were losing them because life was happening to them. For some of the students, it was a, uh, transmission went out on their car. For other students, it was a child care issue. For others, it was a, a, you know, they lost a job or they had to pick up a second job to be able to pay their bills. So we developed a more comprehensive set of wraparound services to say, we're going to meet our students where they are and make sure we're meeting all their needs. And if we do that, we think we can keep them in school and help them, you know, finish, graduate and get across that finish line. So I'm proud to tell you, with all the different interventions we put in place, uh, five years later, after we had launched that strategic plan, our goal was to have doubled the graduation rate from 25% to 55 to 50%. And I'm happy to tell you, we hit 55% uh, in that fifth year. So 
it, it for me that that informs what's possible when the community kind of rallies around we got a lot of philanthropic support locally to help push us forward um we built up a whole program for example for students in terms of access we we created our own college promise program so we could guarantee every college Every student in high school, if they wanted to come to Wilkes Community College, they could do it tuition free. Um, so it was a comprehensive set of uh, initiatives that we put together. But in doing that, we were able to, to bend the curve and see a lot more of our students uh, be successful. So part, part of my thinking about coming into this role is not that we had it all figured out at Wilkes, uh, but we had some things figured out. And, I, and I, I wanted to bring some of those ideas to the system office to see, you know, how, how might we be able to uh, have conversations around the great 58 and, and what that might look like to build similar kinds of success across the state. That's a that's a very interesting story. And it shows you exactly what can happen when you do have a, a long range vision plan and so forth. Dr. Jeff Cox is our guest. He's the president of the North Carolina Community College System, and we'll be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the collaboration between the university system and the uh, community college system. And we'll do that right after we take time out for these messages. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Dr. Jeff Cox, the uh, 11th president of the North Carolina Community College System, serving some 500,000 college students at uh, 58 colleges across the state of North Carolina, community colleges. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff, one of the things that we've talked about in the past is the it seems like, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, there's been a great deal more collaboration between the three systems, the university system, the K-12 through system, and your system. And that seems to be paying off in, uh, in spades, so to speak. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you work with the community, uh, with the university system, and also how you are involving the work of the community college with the K-12 through system. 
Yeah, absolutely, Don. So one of the things that uh, makes me maybe a little bit unique in this role is, you know, for the first 20 years of my life uh, or career, uh, I spent in K-12, you know, so as a high school teacher and assistant principal, principal, assistant superintendent for curriculum instruction, and then a superintendent of a, of a K-12 uh, district in Allegheny County. So the partnerships back with the K-12 are, are, are seem very uh, natural to me. I, I understand their world. I lived in it for you know, 20 for 20 years. So we've got some great partnership opportunities with our K-12 schools. Our state has one of the most comprehensive uh, dual enrollment programs in the, in the country and uh, very robust programs so that high school students through what we call our Career and College Promise program, uh, are able to start taking uh, college-level courses while they're still in high school. Largely, those are for junior and senior uh, students, though we do have some technical programs that uh, and special programs that students can get in as early as their freshman year in high school. But typically, it's the juniors and seniors who are beginning to think about college and um, and exploring those opportunities to take those college courses. And they're able to do it tuition free, which is tremendous. Uh, they just have the textbooks, uh, the textbooks to uh, to take care of. And for most colleges, they're just charging a fee and absorbing part of those textbook costs as well. So students are only paying twenty five or thirty dollars uh, per class for the for a textbook fee. So we have you know thousands and thousands of students a year who are enrolled in the in those uh, CCP courses in uh, every county across the state. So that's a great program. Another program with high school students is one that all three of my own sons went through, and that's our uh, early college high school program. So in that program, again, North Carolina has uh, more of these than I think any other state in the country. Um, Students start off their high school careers, and instead of just going to high school, uh, they begin high school and college basically at the same time. And the students have either four or five years to complete both their high school diploma, which is typically you know four years, but they also are completing a two-year associate degree. So they finish up in four or five years with both a high school diploma and, and a two-year associate degree. So all three of my own children, uh, young young men, have gone through that program, and and they're all now 19, 20, and 22 uh, years old, and uh, love that program. So that's another great opportunity that where where we have a great collaboration with with K twelve, um, and a, just a super good partnership. That builds on, or we build from there, uh, looking toward the partnership with our university partners. Uh, we also have great partnerships with our university system. We have something called a universal articulation agreement, but basically it's an agreement with all of our public universities and and our uh, most of our um, independent colleges or private universities where they will agree to accept uh, essentially what you would think about is the first two years of, uh, of a bachelor's degree, all the general college requirements, essentially. Uh, students can get those at the community college and then transfer on to the university of their choice and, and come in as a status with a junior. 
um, and then have hopefully have only two years uh, to go. Sometimes it can be another three years if the students didn't know exactly what they were going to major in or they change their mind about a major. Sometimes it takes longer. But I'll just give you again my own middle son as an example. He uh, finished at Wilkes Community uh, College through our early college high school program. And he's now at UNC Charlotte studying business. He's been there one year and has one year to go. So uh, that saved me, uh, you know, pro probably uh, in the neighborhood of $50,000. If you think about room and board, tuition, fees, everything, it's probably about $25,000 a year to send a kid off to one of our universities, uh, one of our public universities, uh, all, all in, all inclusive price. So that's a significant savings. And uh, that program uh, has been in place for a while. We continue to tweak it and uh, and try to improve it and make sure that that pathway is seamless for all of our students. But that's one of the areas I really feel like we're, uh, we're really uh, working well together across the entire pre-K through university continuum. And I love the position of our community colleges being in the middle uh, between our K-12 and our university partners. Well, you know, you bring up uh, the, the cost savings, and, and that's particularly important because a number of these students are going to go beyond the bachelor degree and go on for postgraduate work. And so any savings they can make along the way helps pay the way for postgraduate uh, education, either working on their master's or their Ph.D. You're, you're exactly right, Don. And again, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, we've had this conversation with our middle son who's studying business and contemplating an MBA. And uh, so, you know, I said, well, you know, because you went through the community college and got your first two years virtually uh, free through the early college, you know, your mom and I would probably support you. I had told them all early, I would get them, support them financially through the bachelor's degree. And then if they wanted to do as I've done and go on and get multiple more degrees, that they would also do like I have done. And that would be on their dime. But, uh, but they said they saved us so much money on the front end that, uh, that I'm feeling more flexible about, about supporting them if they want to go on and get a higher degree. So it's it's a great point and a, just a great opportunity for our folks in our, in our state. And, and Don, beyond just the finances of it, as a school superintendent uh, for, again, almost nine years, what I saw time and time again was our students who are graduating from high school and going off to one of our universities. And again, I, grew, I was superintendent in Allegheny County, very rural part of our state. A lot of our students were academically well-prepared, but they weren't really socially or emotionally ready to make that transition to, you know, to go live in Raleigh or, or one of our university towns. So often those students would go for a semester um, and just find they weren't quite ready for that transition. And then they would come end up coming home either Christmas or after one year. And then they would have to, you know, to, to take some time off. Often they would end up re-enrolling at the local community college, uh, get their get their uh, get get their academic career back in order, and then eventually maybe transfer back to the university. But my point is, I saw so many families who really didn't have the financial wherewithal to make that twenty five thousand dollar investment. 
uh, and then see it not uh, come to fruition with their student getting out and getting a, getting a, you know, getting a degree and then going on to get a job that would pay a living wage and help offset some of that college debt that they had accumulated. So the we think I, I strongly believe having seen it all all on both sides, I strongly believe for the vast majority of North Carolinians, uh, our students would be a hundred percent better served if they would start out those first couple of years with a community college. And uh, that's for all the students who want to transfer and go on and get a four-year degree. They were way better off starting with us and uh and then transferring on once they've and kind of got through those first two years, complete the associate degree, then transfer on to the university. They're going to save a, a lot of money, and they're going to be on a little bit firmer footing with a little bit more maturity when they're ready to make that transition. So I just, I just again, I've seen it enough times that I just know that would be a fantastic move for most of our students. And la- last thing I would just say about that, too, is, the, the other option, of course, is, is uh, students who may not want to get a four-year degree. We're, we've got a ton of uh, businesses who are hiring for thousands, thousands of jobs in our state. We've got this tremendous uh, economic boom where we're the number one state in the country now for the second year in a row for business. A uh, lot of jobs that are coming with that, uh, but they often don't require a four-year degree, sometimes maybe not even a two-year degree but just some kind of short-term post-secondary credential that links up directly to what those skills are that they need out there in the, in the, in the labor market. So for a lot of students uh, who may think, I, I'm not really, a, you know, I'm not really a, a somebody who's going to go to the university, you can come to the community college and often get a short-term credential in just uh, a few weeks that could help you get a, a living wage job in your own community. We've got numerous examples of folks doing these 15-week technology-based boot camps where they get out and they've got a degree, a certification, industry certification, and they're going out getting jobs making forty or $50,000 a year with a one-semester investment of time and uh, and money. So it's it's a great return on investment. And then a whole lot of students who are coming through, like our nursing program, our diesel mechanic programs, our, our, our auto mechanic programs, our respiratory therapy programs. You come and get a two-year degree with a minimal investment at the community college and get out and make a living wage uh, in a great job in your own community and have a great career with a very minimal uh, investment up front. So we think we provide a great value proposition to our students for sure. And you've been particularly successful in where one industry sort of phases out in offering re-education for people who are displaced. Uh, that's absolutely true, Don. It happens that, you know every time you know, the economy you know, t- takes peaks and valleys, and and every time there's a downturn in the economy, you can count on an uptick in enrollment at the community college. Because for 60 years, that's one of the things that, that we're very proud of being able to do. And that's be nimble and flexible and meet people where they are. And when there's a need in a community, when a, you know, a, a factory is closed and jobs have been lost, people are needing to retool and think about a different career. The community college can be flexible and nimble uh, and make sure we're meeting the needs there where they are. It's a, 
we were having a conversation earlier earlier this week with the North Carolina Chamber uh, event on workforce, and it, we were talking some about the you know the the coming uh, challenges with artificial intelligence and virtual reality, and and how how's that going to disrupt the workforce? These are really complex problems, uh, but I'm confident that we will find ways to adjust, and that those jobs that are lost are going to be replaced by other. Uh, higher skill jobs. Uh, hopefully, they're going to pay better wages anyway. And so, uh, you know, I think back to the industrial revolution when we when we lost a lot of jobs to automation and uh, globalization. We bounced back, and we've got more jobs now than you know than we've ever had. And they do require a little higher skill set, which is exactly where our community colleges come in. Well, it, it, it's certainly a, a real asset to communities when they lose an industry to have that re-education factor in place. Our guest is Dr. Jeff Cox. He's the president of the North Carolina Community College System, and we'll be back with another segment right after we take time out for these messages. You wanted to see me? Yes, please. Have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. <sighs> we want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, we're talking with the president of the North Carolina Community College System, and that would be Dr. Jeff Cox, who's the 11th president, previously served as president of Wilkes Community College, before that, superintendent of Allegheny Public uh, County Schools. And, uh, of course, as we said, he's... he's uh, comes to the job with that background, which helps him so much in his new assignment as president. We, you know, it's one of the things, of course, we want to talk a little bit about is is money in running the colleges. And, of course, hands are out all over the place when it comes to the General Assembly. Everyone, every organization, whether it's mental health or whether it's uh, Medicaid expansion or every, everything has a budget and everybody is, has their hand out. Uh, the community college system for years, uh, most of us sort of thought were uh, not on the uh, the fair side of their share. Are you uh, at that point where you believe that you are getting better funding and, and more interest from the General Assembly? 
Well, Don, I think we've had we've had we've had good support from the General Assembly over time. Again, if you think about the comprehensive nature of our colleges and funding fifty-eight colleges across the state, that that requires real commitment on on behalf of our legislature. And I applaud them for having the vision. You know, it was a legislature that that you know made the decision years ago to stand up this system and to have fifty-eight colleges. They could have decided to have. 10 colleges or 15 colleges, like a lot of states do, but they really made that commitment to say, we want every community, especially every rural community in the state to have its own community college so that everybody in our state, all of our citizens can have access to higher education. So that commitment has been there. It's been ongoing for 60 years. And uh, and again, I applaud that, uh, seriously applaud that. With that being said, you know, looking ahead to what do we need to do and are, are, do we have the funding uh, that I think we need to be everything that the legislature and the governor and that our private business and industry partners want us to be? Uh, I would have to say uh, no. Uh, we, we probably do need uh, more resources to really fully fulfill the mission and vision that we have for ourselves to meet to meet the needs of every citizen in North Carolina and the needs of every business and industry in North Carolina. We need to be able to do more. One of the challenges we have uh, currently, Don, is with our, you know, with our salary schedule, we, we all know what's happened here with the economy and wages have, have gone up and um, we're, we're struggling to be competitive uh, with our current funding uh, model. The legislature helped us out tremendously for the last couple of years by giving us some additional funds to support really hard to fill areas. So at Wilkes Community College, for example, we used all of that funding to support our health science faculty because we were having a really hard time, for example, finding nursing instructors when they could be making a $100,000 a year out in the field as a nurse. It's really hard to talk them into leaving that and coming over to us and making half that amount as an instructor. So we had to revisit our salary schedule for some of those really hard to fill areas. And they're increasingly more and more of those. So the nursing faculty, our respiratory therapists, our radiology instructors, but also our diesel instructors and our applied engineering instructors, our welding instructors, there's so many different ones who can make so much more over in the uh, public sector, in the private sector, that we we really have to think about that and uh, how we're funding uh, our community colleges. And I, I'll just give this example, you know, for people to think about when uh, when that ambulance rolls up to your house and you're in the middle of some kind of serious uh, cardiac situation. Who, who do you want to have trained the EMT that's going to be uh, taking care of you and getting you from your house to the hospital and keeping you alive along the way? Do you want an instructor who is, uh, you know, top of their game, top notch in the field, really high quality? Is that the person you want to have taught that EMT who's working on you? Think about the same thing with that nurse who's over your bed and working with you. Certainly, we all want the top top highest quality instructors uh, teaching in these very, very important positions. You say the same for law enforcement, how critical is it? We've got great instructors teaching uh, folks how to be police officers. 
So if you think about the importance of what the community colleges does, they do, and how how important uh, they they touch every aspect of our community, and we just have to have m- more funding to be able to ensure we can keep a top notch. Uh, uh, keep our top-notch faculty in place so they can provide that instruction to our students. So in that way, we, we definitely need, you know, more funding support. Uh, we're constantly kind of looking for different creative ways to uh, meet some of the needs uh, with our instructors. We're doing some partnerships with local hospitals where they pay part of a nurse's salary and we pay part of her salary to teach part-time while she works in the hospital the other part of her time. So we're doing some creative things like that, um, getting some folks who are having release time from their IT company to come over and maybe teach a section with us. So we're trying to be creative, but there is a need there to to, to support our faculty and staff salaries at a higher level so we can keep people employed. The second place I would just mention is you know, thinking about business and industry and the equipment that we have to have in all of our community colleges is extraordinarily expensive. I think about, uh, again, at Wilkes, our, our example was with GE Aviation. They make jet engine parts. Well, some of those uh, CNC machines are half million dollars or more just for one machine. Well, it doesn't take, you know, one of those, replacing one of those will pretty much exhaust the local community college's budget for the year. So we have to think uh, creatively about private-public partnerships on meeting the needs for capital uh, to keep our equipment up up and uh, modern. Businesses want us to be training students on the same equipment they're using, you know, in their manufacturing facilities. Uh, and again, I think about any of us, you know, flying off somewhere to vacation uh, this summer, uh, and and. What kind of equipment do you want that guy uh, trained on who's going to be making the jet engine part in that jet that you're flying in? Uh, it has to be modern. It has to be, you know, precision. And we don't need to be using outdated equipment to train students who are going to go out and be working on modern equipment when they get into the workforce. So that takes resources. And uh, if you're going to stay the number one state in the country for business, We've got to stay the number one country for workforce, and that means in, investing more, I think, in our community colleges. The last thing I would say about that, Don, is the data is clear on this. You know, for every dollar that the legislature invests in our community colleges, and it is an, an investment, not an expense in my mind, for every dollar invested, there's a $2 uh, return on that investment. So you can make the argument that they ought to invest the whole budget <laughs> with our community colleges because it pays back double time. Yeah. Uh, and not everybody can uh, can say that. So in all seriousness, I, I do think we're, we we demonstrate a great return on investment. I just encourage our legislators to uh, continue to look at, at us as a great investment in every community across the state and lifting up the economic prosperity. Something you said about uh, the cost of equipment reminded me of the old joke about the guy who seemed to be fairly apprehensive about flying, and the person sitting beside him in the airplane says, you you look a little apprehensive. And he said, well, there are 500,000 parts in this airplane, and every one of them was supplied by the lowest bidder. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. 
Uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. Uh, a lot of the community, we have 58 colleges. Some yeah. are called community colleges and some are called technical schools. Is there a difference other than just the name? Well, I think there's there's some history to that. I think when some of the colleges were stood up, they they were more specifically technical colleges. They were they were you had I think in the early days some colleges were a little bit more geared toward college transfer or just do your first two years of general education and then go on and, and get four year degrees, and others by their early design were were more technical in nature. I would say at this stage, 60 years into this great experiment, there's very little difference between the ones that have technical college or technical institute or whatever in their name versus just community college. They were all comprehensive. It's one of the other points I would want to make, Don, about the nature of our community college system. We We are one of the largest, but we're by far the most comprehensive in what all services we provide from workforce and continuing education, short-term credentials to adult uh, basic skills, helping for folks who have dropped out of high school, but they want to come back and get and get their high school diploma. Uh, even our special needs population who, who are just trying to pick up skills to go out and, and be uh, uh, more independent uh, in, in their lives. To, uh, to, you know, to the, all the college transfer programs we have across all the different program areas, um, we're, we're just com so comprehensive in what we do that we're really unlike any other system in the country. Some of these uh, community colleges are quite large. I know the uh, Wake uh, Community College is, is, uh, uh, has a very large footprint and serves many students. And, of course, some are, are much smaller uh, so the size difference also comes into play uh, in, uh, in the work that you supply as far as helping and assisting these uh, smaller schools, especially in their in their work. Absolutely, Don. It's one of the one of the handful of goals the, the state board has given me coming in new to this role is to is to really look at that issue and think what is the system's role and making sure that every uh, small rural college uh, is sustainable, and and how do we look at at being more collaborative and doing more regional collaboration so colleges can kind of partner with each other and provide some services together instead of everybody having to do it uh, you know on, on their own, which is essential for the for you know the long term sustainability of some of our smaller rural colleges. They play such an important role in their small communities. Uh, they're often just the epicenter of the community beyond just education. It's the, the that's where the the culture of the community comes to life with uh, with different venues and uh, the impact on the community. I was listening to the radio today and they were talking about the impact, the extreme negative impact on small communities when they lose an institution of higher education. Uh, for, across so many different ways, it's just a, it can be the it can be a, a real uh, death knoll for a community when they lose their their institution of higher education. So we don't want that to happen with any of our 58 colleges. We want them all to be strong and keep their little small communities and our large communities like here in Wake County to keep all of them strong and vibrant. And uh, we just have to 
continue to figure out how to work smarter uh, with each other and collaborate, try and be as efficient as we can with the tax dollars that we have to support our colleges. And uh, that's one of the that's one of the key goals that we're working on this year. Well, there's, uh, you know, uh, there are many other topics that we uh, could uh, bring up and uh, we have a, another segment coming up. Uh, distant learning is one of the things that we'd like to talk a little bit about. But we also want to talk about the uh, impact of COVID-19, not only on education, but on business and on trades and how that affected the community college system and how what lessons we've learned from the experience we all shared during the COVID-19 interruption, I guess you might say. Our guest is Dr. Jeff Cox. He's the president of the North Carolina Community College System. And uh, as I said, we have one final segment. And we'll get to that right after we take time out for these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers for this particular week. Our topic is uh, the North Carolina Community College System, and we have as our guest Dr. Jeff Cox, who is the 11th president of the system that serves some 500,000 students here and there. Uh, across the state, over 58 different campuses. Um, we've, we've talked about a lot of things. Uh, I guess one of the things that uh, we would sort of look at uh, as sort of a, a wrap-up in this final segment is, what are your priorities now for the community college system? As you look ahead, we've talked a little bit about some of the early lessons that you've learned uh, from your experience as head of one of the colleges. But what priorities are you setting for the community college system for the next uh, year and, and the next maybe five years? Yeah, thank you, Don, for that question. I, you know, the I think you know priority number one for us is uh, is, is thinking about work the workforce of the state. You know, we've had the the blessing of being uh, identified for the second year in a row uh, as being the best state in the country for business. Um, one of the keys to that is our strong workforce that was called out specifically. And, and beyond that, uh, our community colleges were, were identified as a key 
uh, factor in that. The fact that we're aligned so closely with business and industry that we're able to meet them where they are. That's one of our really key priorities going forward is thinking about that. Um, we, we, we like to say we have to move at the pace of business. Uh, sometimes uh, education gets a bad rap of, of uh, being a little slow to uh, to change. Um, I, I think our community colleges, while we still have room to improve, but, you know, always, I think one of our hallmarks has been that we are nimble and we can change and do change to meet the needs of business and industry. So with the, with the pace of change, I was in a session yesterday on uh, talking about artificial intelligence and how that's impacting business and industry, you know, everything's changing. And uh, the only difference between now and the last hundred years is the pace of that change. Uh, when we're having these disruptions, uh, the the impact that artificial intelligence is going to have on, on businesses and industries and education is hard to be overstated. And so our ability to be nimble and flexible and prepared to adjust to those new jobs that are that are going to be coming that we can't even imagine now they don't exist. So one of our challenges is, you know, how, how do we continue to meet the current job demands that are out there and help businesses and industries fill their current vacancies with the current skill set that's needed? But how do we do that, but also prepare our students in such a way that when those needs change, as they will, with the pace of change that we have now, students have to be equipped to be able to be lifelong learners. They're not going to go to college and, and then be finished with college and go to work for 30 years. All of us have to change our mindset to think about being lifelong learners. So that's an inevitable part of what, what we're trying to work on and think about is how, how, do, how do we... Uh, meet the, the needs of the current times, knowing that the pace of change is just unprecedented. So thinking about that and how does our community college system and our 58 individual colleges, how, how do we shift our thinking uh, to be uh, nimble enough to keep pace with, uh, with the pace of business these days? So that's well, one it, piece of it. Yeah. It, you know, it hasn't been that long. Uh, since uh, our economy was based on cigarette manufacturing, textiles, and furniture, and none of those three categories are very important anymore. And fortunately, they've been replaced with uh, higher-paying jobs in most that's cases. Exactly, that's exactly right. And I think AI, the artificial intelligence, is we're going to see the same thing, just at a greater pace. So it won't take a decade for, for that change to roll out. It's going to happen in a year or two. We're going, to, we're going to see tremendous change just in the next year or two, and we're going to have to be able to adapt quickly to that. And I've got every confidence that we'll be able to do that. So that's one of our priorities is just being ready for that. Uh, the second thing is, for me, you know, we look across the state, we, we have great economic prosperity uh, so much opportunity across our state, a lot of uh, affluence and people doing well, but yet there's also uh, segments of our population who are struggling. Uh, a lot of students who are graduating high school and they're not going on to any kind of uh, post-secondary institution. But we know a lot of these jobs, particularly the new jobs that pay the living, wa living wages and higher, require some kind of post-secondary degree. So if we're going to really impact uh, poverty and, and impact economic mobility for all of North Carolina, 
we have to do a much better job of drawing in uh, that 40 or 50 percent of high school students who aren't going on to any kind of post-secondary institution. We have to convince them that the community colleges have programs for them, both short term uh, for several weeks or a few months uh, up to a two year program that will change their lives. And it's affordable uh, with with the. If they'll fill out the FAFSA form, the federal financial aid forms, most students uh, and all students who are in poverty really will qualify for Pell Grant funding, uh, which pays about $6,000 a year. And that's not money that has to be paid back, uh, Don. They, that covers all their tuition and fees, which at the community college is about $2,500 a year, not a semester, but for the whole year, $1,200 per semester. You think about the tuition cost and then books, maybe another thousand or so per year. Uh, a student could come, go to their community college, and, and uh, you know, for th three thousand, four thousand uh, dollars, and get enough Pell Grant funding to cover all those expenses, plus have a little money to put gas in the car to get back and forth to class, and maybe buy a few meals along the way. So it's it's affordable. Uh, but we have to get we have to get uh, that population of students who who's just not going anywhere right now. And unfortunately, there's a big segment of our 18 to 24 year olds who are not only not going to the university or the community college, but they're not joining the workforce either. They're just kind of disconnected. We, we call them the kind of the d disconnected youth. We've got to get engaged with that group and get them on a track to complete some kind of degree or credential that's going to let them take their place in the uh, labor market. So that's a big that's a big priority for us is figuring out how to how to kind of bounce back from COVID. We used to have about seven hundred and some thousand students in our community college system. COVID really uh, knocked us for a loop, just like it did the universities and business and industry and the whole world. We're rebuilding and robots are coming back up, but we've got some segments of the population that are just disconnected and we've got to get them back, back connected uh, because we got a lot of jobs that aren't being filled right now. And a lot of them pay really good wages, but we've got to get those students in, in our doors so that we can get them the degrees and credentials they need to go out and earn a living wage. Well, you know, fortunately in North Carolina, Almost everywhere you go, you see help wanted signs, and yep. that, uh, that's good. Uh, and, of course, you know, as you said, rising income helps the state because with rising income, there's rising taxes, uh, income tax paid to the state that allows the state to do other things uh, like mental health and uh, other concerns that we have. Well, and that's part of that return on investment, Don, that I referenced earlier. So every dollar invested in a community college, is going to pay back $2 in terms of uh, savings on ta for tax revenue, one, but then also social savings where those students uh, aren't living in poverty anymore. So they're not having to uh, to uh, utilize some of those government services that are, that are pretty expensive. So again, that, that investment in education, really K-12 through the university system is really, really important. Uh, and of course, I'm specifically, uh, you know, work, working toward the investment in our community colleges because I see that return on investment so clearly uh, in terms of what we're able to do. So that's a big part of what we're pushing for and just thinking about this issue of economic mobility and 
not just enrolling students, not just getting students to complete their degrees, but really taking a look at what happens after they complete the degree and go into the workforce. Have we changed their lives? Are they going into jobs where they're making a living wage? Uh, looking at equity across our different programs. And when you look at folks who have been uh, marginalized or uh, economically challenged, um, are they going into programs specifically that are going to help lift them up out of poverty? Or are they going into programs that, that pay uh, you know lower wages? So looking at even issues like that across our colleges and across programs within our colleges to make sure the students who need that uh, that uh, leg up are, are able to able to get that support uh, from us. So, and the la la last thing I would mention is just to do that again. I referenced this earlier with Wilkes Community College and the works the work we had done on wraparound services. But what we have found over the years was uh, most of the students who were dropping out, not finishing their degrees. Uh, weren't doing so because they couldn't handle the academic load. They were doing it because they had hit a hurdle in life, uh, whether that be a lack of child care, a lack of transportation, food insecurity, housing insecurity, having to work two or three uh, part-time jobs. Uh, whatever those challenges were, those typically were the things that were causing our students to have to stop out or drop out of college. So as a small community in Wilkes, we rallied around and figured out how could we raise the private money to help build up our foundation and provide support. And we had some great philanthropic partners there, like the Leonard Heron Family Foundation in particular, that came alongside us and, and gave us tremendous support uh, to build out some of those programs. So for me, thinking about that more broadly on the statewide scale, thinking community by community, how, how do we begin to think about uh, a comprehensive needs of our students and what does it really take to move somebody from poverty to, to being out of poverty and having a job that pays a living wage. So that's, that's, you know, that's part, part of the work that we're, that we're trying to do. Well, we've got an awkward amount of time. I don't have enough time to introduce a new topic. Uh, but we would like to remind the listeners that in earlier segments, we talked about the collaboration with the university system and the K through 12 programs that the community college system has uh, developed in, in, uh, in uh, collaboration with those two uh, our uh, systems of education. And uh, uh, we've talked about uh, a number of other issues. And so if you uh, want more information and you did not hear uh, the first segment of the program, then you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast, or you can share it with a friend. It's Carolina Community College, I mean, carolinanewsmakers.com. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Cox is president of the system. Uh, we very much appreciate you sharing this uh, information with us. And uh, uh, as always, we are so proud of what uh, the system has done for the state of North Carolina and uh, it's, it's certainly one of our, our pride and joy systems in the state. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another guest on Carolina Newsmakers. And uh, uh, Jason Kong, who's produced our program, has promised that he will certainly have an interesting guest. So we'll see you next week, same time, same station. Have a good week. 
Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.